Welcome, everyone, to episode 36 of Startup BizCast. It's February 2008. I'm Steve Mullen, and this is our Small Business Taxes episode, part two. Startup BizCast is the small business advice podcast that takes less time than your average coffee break. It's produced by Endgame ER Podcast Production. Welcome to part two of my discussion with June Walker. June is a tax and financial advisor and author of the book Self-Employed Tax Solutions. Last week, we talked about deductions and how to find a tax preparer for your small business. This week, we're talking about business structure and how it affects your tax liability. As I did last week, I'm going to preempt the BizCast brief to create more time for my talk with June. The small business news segment will return next week. So let's welcome June Walker to the show now. June, thanks for joining us once again on Startup BizCast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Last time around, we talked about finding a tax professional and a bit about small business tax deductions. This time around, I wanted to talk more about how to structure your business to reduce your tax burden. So let's start from the beginning. What's the difference between filing taxes as an employee of someone else versus filing taxes as a small business owner? Okay, well, to start with, filing as an employee, uh, you have no choice. If you're an employee... Uh, that's what you are. You work for someone. You get a W-2 at the end of the year. You can go to um, a local tax franchise, and they will know what to do with your tax return. You have very little to do. If you're a business, every, every business, every small business conducts its affairs as a particular kind of business entity. And by business entity, I mean business structure. And the organizational form or the organizational structure that you as a small business choose, that determines whatever tax and legal regulations will apply. So that means depending upon what tax structure you choose, that will determine what kind of tax return gets filed for you. And so for for tax purposes, the IRS gives you a choice of the following kinds of business structures. Um, one is a sole proprietorship. The other is a partnership. There's several kinds of partnerships. And the third is a corporation, and there's two kinds of corporations. So if you are a self-employed in business, you, know, you say, I'm going to go out there and make a buck making widgets. If you do absolutely nothing about that, other than say, that's what you're going to do, you're going to make some money, your business is already structured, and it's structured as a sole proprietorship. So you don't have to do anything. You are already a sole proprietorship. There's there's no need to complicate things when simplicity will suffice. And so for all but a few newly hatched or brand new solo ventures, a sole proprietorship is very often the way to go. So people need to think about that. Just because you're going to be a business, it doesn't mean you have to be a corporation or a partnership. A sole proprietorship may be may work for you. So like the question that you want to ask yourself is are you do you want to change your tax your your business entity for tax reasons or for liability reasons? One is a tax reason, one is a legal reason. If it's 
for tax reasons. You need to know that as a sole proprietor, are you taking full advantage of every tax law and every tax regulation that's available to you? Most often people are not. The Fed say that um, four out of five businesses in the United States are sole proprietorships. And um, what I found is that just about every lawyer advises a, a new business to incorporate. And if your attorney or your accountant advises that, make sure you find out why. Because I think, uh, and in my experience, I have found that the tax the tax benefits of incorporation are pushed heavily by attorneys because that's what they're used to working with. They don't know the tax benefits that are available to a sole proprietor. Let's go ahead and talk about employees a little bit. Obviously, when, when businesses grow, it becomes too much for one person to take care of, and so you end up hiring people. Uh, how does that complicate your taxes, your yearly taxes as a business owner? Well, if you're... Um, a sole proprietorship or corporation or partnership, if you hire employees, there's a bunch of paperwork you have to do. But um, it's the same no matter what your business structure is. And a lot of people try to get away with not hiring an employee by calling someone a subcontractor. And it's, it's a bit too much to go into now, but you can't hire somebody who is really your employee because they're coming into your office uh, from 9 to 12 in the morning and doing your administrative tasks and um, say, oh, well, they're only here for three hours a day, so I'll just call them a self-employed. They would be your employee. And there are federal and state forms to file when you hire employees. I noticed uh, on your website one interesting piece of advice. You actually suggest putting your family to work, making them employees. And I love this idea. I'm not really sure my five and three year old uh, kids would be much help, but um, I guess maybe you know maybe my wife if she didn't have a full time job. How does this work? Uh, what's the advantage? If um, you have um, a PR and marketing business, and let's say your wife helps you in that business. She edits some of your copy or she's making phone calls for you. Uh, or if you're giving presentations, she helps you with your presentations. If she is simply your wife, you can't take deductions for her. You cannot, um, if you had to go on a trip because she was going to handle the PowerPoint for you, you could not deduct her travel expenses. If she is your employee, now I'm not saying if she's your partner, not a partnership, but you, if you're a sole proprietor and she's your employee, once she's your employee, you can take her travel expenses. When you pay her, let's say you only pay, she's not doing very much for you, and so you're going to pay her oh, $12,000 a year, $1,000 a month. That $1,000 a month on your tax return simply moves from one part of the tax return to another. No tax advantage there. However, now you can deduct her business trip expenses. Uh, it makes record keeping much easier. You can give her health coverage for her family. Her family is herself, you, and your kids. 
those medical expenses, that, that health coverage that you give her is now a deduction from your business expense, from your business income, I mean. So, if your family's medical expenses for the year, health insurance, dental, come to $10,000, that $10,000, instead of going where I call the guts of the tax return, where it often gets lost, is a direct deduction from your income. So, if you made $60,000 that year, if you had no other deductions, you paid your wife, Ten twelve thousand a year that moved the twelve thousand from one side of the return to the other, but the ten thousand in medical expenses gets deducted from your business income directly. You can also, when you hire your spouse, uh, give her um, life insurance, which would be a deduction for you. You can give her dental cover insurance. You can also, uh, if she's really good at what she does, you can also give her a pension. That pension can also be deducted directly from your business income. If you have a, a pension, that gets deducted on the front of the return. Not It's advantageous, but not as advantageous if it were deducted from your business income. And a pension to your wife, to your spouse, doesn't have to be wife, could be wife has the business and husband is the employee. And it doesn't matter if the spouse that you're hiring also has a full-time job. Maybe your spouse has a full-time job and works for you only on Saturdays. You can give your spouse a pension, uh, assuming you have more money coming into your household than you need to live on, and you put some money into a pension. If you put it in for your spousal employee, that pension gets deducted from your business income. Now let's talk real quick about uh, office space. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of deductions uh, involved with a home office. Uh, at what point does it become worth it to rent office space out of the home? Or for tax purposes, is it even worth it for a small business? Uh, whether you rent or work at home is not a tax decision. It's a business decision. Uh, do you need to be... Uh, you know, if your home is back in the woods, you need to be in town because uh, people need to be able to find you. So, so out of the home or in the home, uh, that decision has to be based on something other than a tax decision. And deducting, taking a home office is always, generally always, I mean, there are one or two exceptions, always a tax advantage, even if it's a very, very small part of your home, 5% of your home, it's an advantage. The big advantage to having office in the home is that it allows you a bigger transportation deduction. Uh, the IRS says that you cannot take, you cannot deduct your commute. So someone who's home and goes to work in the factory in town or goes in as a secretary or goes into um, some uh, work for a tech company cannot deduct the cost of going from his house to his business. That's the commute. The same would apply to a self-employed who does not work out of his home but has the office in town. He leaves home, he goes into town, that's his commute. If you have an office at home, 
let's say you're um, a psychologist and you have an office in town. You don't want your office at, in, at your home. If that's the case, you if you do some administrative tasks at home, call patients, uh, set up appointments, do your billing from your home, you do what the IRS calls administrative tasks in an area of your home exclusively where you do that, not your dining room table, then you now have an office in your home. And the IRS says that you can deduct the cost of going from one workplace to another. So now, when you get up in the morning, your commute is from your kitchen with your cup of coffee into your home office where you do some of your billing and do some of your phone calls. And then when you leave your home office and you drive into town or take the subway into town or the bus or however you get into town, that is no longer your commute. You're going from one workspace to another workspace. And so that makes it a deductible transportation expense. Last question. What's the biggest tax-related mistake you see made by small business owners, independents? What's the biggest mistake you see? The biggest mistake is that they don't ask enough questions. Uh, the important or the the knowledgeable, uh, someone they're intimidated by, the attorney, the accountant says, incorporate or form an LLC, and they don't know diddly squat what the guy's talking about, but they do it because they think the guy knows what he's talking about. Most people spend more time deciding and researching what refrigerator they're going to buy than what tax professional they're going to use. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. June Walker, tax and financial advisor and author of Self-Employed Tax Solutions. Thanks for joining us once again. Thank you. If you have specific questions for June about taxes and financial issues, be sure to check out her blog at junewalkeronline.blogspot.com. Also be sure to check out her book, Self-Employed Tax Solutions. That's a wrap for Episode 36 of Startup BizCast. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mullen. If you enjoyed this episode of Startup BizCast, please let us know by leaving a review at iTunes, voting for the show at Podcast Alley, or giving it a dig at dig.com.